Welcome to the Business Bites Podcast, the podcast for busy entrepreneurs. Whether you're an online entrepreneur or seeking after brick and mortar success, this podcast brings you quick bites of content so you can learn and grow anywhere you are. Now here's your host, Rachel Brainkey. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Business Spice Podcast. I am Rachel Branke, and today we're going to be talking about cybersecurity for the small business owner. The guest that we have on is incredible with the amount of information and checklists that you will need to dig into. Adam Anderson is a longtime small business owner who also happens to be one of the leading authorities on small business cybersecurity. He's a serial entrepreneur, much like myself. He's also an author. He's written several books on cybersecurity and cybercrime to help you guys understand and navigate the digital world. He is on a mission today and all the time to help fellow small business owners like you guys find the answer to the question, well, should I even care about cybersecurity? In his newest book, The Monster Within, it shows business owners that cybersecurity isn't something reserved just for the nerds in Silicon Valley. We all have a stake in this. Whether or not you're doing this part-time, full-time, all the time, this is something you guys need. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you even got into this field? Yeah, Rachel, thanks for uh, having me on. I totally um, love this field. Uh, no, that's not true. I don't love this field because people never want to talk to me at parties. So I, I uh, hey, we have something in common. I'm a lawyer. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, I like to tell people I'm an entrepreneur. And then I say, oh, but in cybersecurity, and then all the party stops. So kind of how I, I fell into all this is I used to work for IBM. I had a 18 hour layover in Montgomery, Alabama. And I said, I'm never going to do this uh, for anyone else ever again. If you've ever been to the airport in Montgomery, Alabama, you might resonate and empathize where I'm coming from. But (laughs) eventually I fired myself from my uh, cybersecurity company and I put it under management and I started to do a passion project. And that passion project was why are these big companies getting hacked through their supply chain with little companies. And I fell in love with how do we move the needle on cybersecurity for small businesses, not just these major corporations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I love that because my whole premise of when I talk to my audience and to my clients is this idea of prevention as opposed to clean up on aisle four later on because that ends up mm-hmm. costing a lot of time, money, and energy. And then they're stuck dealing with people like me or people like you trying to fix things. And um, without sounding cliche, once the cat is out of the bag, once you've been hacked, once your customer data has been revealed, you 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 lose um, the, uh, confidence in your clients or your consumers have in you. And it's really hard to get that back. And, and I'm glad that you've adjusted the focus to small business owners because as, and I've talked about this in other episodes, guys, so you've probably heard this, but over the last decade, just look at the onslaught of online businesses that have exploded. Like the barrier to entry to have an online presence is extremely low. There's so many systems available out there, but that doesn't mean that we should put our blind confidence in all these other systems or all these other setups and structures. You guys have the responsibility to really make sure that you're doing the things Right. Um, so on that note, though, what if you could go back in time to your very first business with this, and I know it's a little cheating because you kind of were already in the field, but what would you tell yourself or change when it comes to cybersecurity? 
Well, the very first thing I would do is remind myself that cybersecurity is all about limiting and lowering liability, not mm-hmm. about keeping the bad guys out. I spent a lot of time wasting money, time, and resources trying to build a cyber fortress when my employees would just let them in by clicking on a link. So <laughs> I think the really big thing for me is, look... It's a behavioral science problem, not a computer science problem. And yeah. that means you got to really focus on your employees and your behavior. I think the statistic is 75% of all employees will do something cyber risky behavior wise, uh, like once a week. It's terrifying. That is scary. You know, the thing is, too, I think that sometimes as the CEO, as the owner, the one in control, we educate ourselves on things like legalities or cybersecurity, and we forget that it, it, we need to share that with our employees. Yep. You know, uh, many small business owners that I run into when we're looking at, like you're talking about limiting liability or reducing it, they don't even have employee handbooks for the most basic things. They don't even have educational resources. So how would you recommend that the, let's just say CEO, that the head person um, is disseminating this information? How should they do that to well-equip their employees to make sure they're not doing this to them? Well, so the first thing you should not do is get everybody into a room with a wonderful PowerPoint presentation or (laughs) bring in a guest speaker or do any of that kind of stuff because that kind of training is great to raise awareness, but it doesn't work over time. Um, Mm -hmm. The thing that I really love is that there are products out there that will send fake cyber attacks at your employees like mm-hmm. a phishing email attack or a text message. And if they click on it, they go to a three-minute training video. So oh, it's I love it. on-demand training for your worst actors, and it's continuous and ongoing. And I think the last time I did a price check was like 16 bucks a person a year. Oh, that's so worth it. Right? And so there's a lot of software products out there like that. Um, the one that I have used in the past for the large corporations is FishMe, but that's mm-hmm. probably not the right one for a small business. So I would do some shopping. Mm-hmm. So you're saying roughly, we're looking $16, $20 per employee. That is a really low cost investment mm-hmm. for any education, especially Agreed. one that's important. So let's kind of look at the inverse. How much do you believe that a business owner could lose? And it doesn't have to be monetarily, but what could they lose by having these cybersecurity risks in their business? Okay, well, I'll be the boogeyman and I'll say, they'll lose everything. Your business is going, oh my God, the sky is falling. But honestly, uh, it's more of a disruption in your business and thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you're not prepared, then it's cost even more. So if you bring a forensic investigating team in, well, actually, the first thing is most small businesses have no idea who to call, right? Something goes wrong, they're, they're stuck and they're losing time. I had a buddy in Ohio, his uh, controller for his manufacturing, the, the controller computer, uh, got hit with ransomware and was down for three days. His line mm-hmm. could not move. And the very first thing he had to do was figure out what a Bitcoin was so he could pay them uh, the ransom. And I was like, no, never pay the ransom. You're on a list and they don't know how to fix your computer. They're good at breaking stuff, brother. Not fixing it. I know that from watching TV shows. Right? Come on. (laughs) So he was down for, I guess, three days and he did some back the napkin kind of work. And he said it cost him about $42,000 all said and done by the time he was finished. And that's, you know, that's a that's a entry level employee salary for a year. 
Yeah. And, you know, and that's just the monetary cost of dealing with that. So that's not even the time Mm -hmm. and the energy and the mind space that you guys will have to take away from your business, from your families, from any other personal hobbies that you may have, because you're going to be stressed out when it comes to something like this. So it's going to impede all facets of your life, no matter how good I think you are at separating life and business. I know that uh, from a legal standpoint, we will get phone calls much like what you just said. Oh my gosh, this happened. Now what do we do? And it's it's interesting how many small business owners don't even think about this. So again, I'm going to thank you for coming on to bring this to... um, So maybe they can learn from the lessons that you've seen happen. Do you have a... I mean, you just gave the one story about how it could be like $42,000. And obviously, that's going to be give or take depending on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But you have a scary story because I have no problem scaring my audience. That's what I'm <laughs> here for, to keep them out of trouble. A scary story, maybe for like a really small business owner. We're thinking more like solo or one or two employees or independent contractors. Yeah. So let's let's pick on lawyers since we've been talking about yeah. you guys. So I have a lawyer yeah. buddy. We're used to it. Right. I know. <laughs> you know what? We have a lawyer show up at a conference once he looked lonely i became his friend it's been ongoing ever since lawyers are people too so careful they'll bill you every time you call i know even if it's for social reasons i get it so my buddy he got uh his point of sales got hit so he's like a small firm i think it's him and and a uh and an aide and he's running everything through an online point of sale so he can build credit cards and the bad guys got his username and password, his administrative username and password, and got access to his point of sale. Now, they couldn't see the credit cards, but they sure could bill all the credit cards he had on file. And yeah. they, since they had administrative access, they changed where that money went to throw away oh. debit cards. And so one morning, he woke up to a lot of nasty phone calls. Why did you just bill me $10,000? And they billed every single one of his clients. Now, here's the cool thing. This cat was smart. He had cybersecurity insurance. So I was going to ask you that. That was, mm-hmm. that was the difference between him going out of business. And by the way, his clients love him now because they all got their money back. It was still three months of disruption where he had to work with the FBI and think of what that means for your business. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if you were a CPA and this happened uh, during tax season, you're done. You're absolutely out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're working with the FBI, depending on what type of lawyer you are, your clients might get a little antsy about that. <laughs> Maybe. You you may be right. Yeah. No. Well, I'm glad you bring up the cyber insurance. Um, I've talked about it in past episodes, more in line with the GDPR regulations and all that that mm-hmm. came out and made everyone run around like a chicken with their head cut off. But my the premise of me sharing that, since the majority of my audience is United States-based anyways, and a lot of them are not marketing overseas, I was still telling them that a lot of the regulations in GDPR are really good business. You need to have yes. these sort of data breach type things in place anyways. Um, and I want to touch on that in one second, kind of the development of a policy. But mm-hmm. as far as insurance, what should these small business owners look for when they call insurance companies? Not that I don't trust the insurance companies, sure. but I think that there's great power in these small business owners being able to say, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, does your policy cover this? Because one of the problems that I see as an attorney when people are um, having issues, 
they will say, well, I bought the insurance policy and I'll ask what their coverage is. And they kind of look at me like deer in headlights. They don't really know what's included. So what would you recommend on that? So most of the time, you're, uh, if you do not have cybersecurity insurance at this time, you are not protected. Most people are like, hey, my E&O or my other kind of liability reducing policies yeah. are going to cover this. And it absolutely does not. So what you go and do, if you are not working with a cybersecurity insurance salesperson who will talk to you about your business and find out exactly what you're doing and then write up the policy for you and you're just filling out a form letter, you're at risk. Uh, mm -hmm. The second thing you want to look at is, are they providing a disaster recovery team? I don't want mm -hmm. cybersecurity insurance because I want money. I want them because I want a solution and that solution is getting me back to normal. And so these mm -hmm. policies should come with a cybersecurity lawyer, a PR person, a forensic investigator, and a systems admin who can all get together and work on your case and get you back in business as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's what you said something in there about them providing a lawyer because the fees can get very big, very fast. Um, and we still will sometimes supplement and come in and help uh, small business owners, even if they already have a cybersecurity lawyer, we may be on the other side going, well, now's the time for you to really look at the other mm -hmm. pitfalls and holes that you may have going on. And uh, and we have seen cases where the insurance company, the cybersecurity insurance policy has paid us to help them get further protected because it was all arising out of that one issue. And so yep. uh, I share that with you guys listening to say that for all these reasons, like Adam just outlined, but also to know that it's not just a one-time data breach or one-time cybersecurity issue. Um, it can force you to have to end up spending extra money and funds in order to get all your stuff in order. Um, one of the, you said something in there that I wanted to touch on the data breach policies. Uh, let, actually, let's get basic for one second and kind of define what a data breach is in the context of Maybe let's say we have individuals out there with WordPress sites and they're using WooCommerce right. or other online platforms. Kind of, I guess, maybe design the story for them to understand how a data breach can occur with that. And then we've kind of already outlined that you'd need to reach into a pol insurance policy or to get all these different players to help you. But what is the steps to even get there? Yeah, so I'm going to change it from maybe data breach to just plain old cybercrime because data breach is kind of ambiguous. What does that mean? Did someone see something they shouldn't have? Did somebody have access, but did they do anything with it? So the cybercrime is when somebody uses a digital format or a digital way to attack you and get access to something you don't want them to have. And then they can either leave something behind that lets them modify something, or they mm -hmm. then grab something they're not supposed to. But like, for example, the Cambridge Analytica with uh, Facebook, that wasn't a data breach. Everything worked exactly as it was supposed to. It was a policy breach. So mm -hmm. when you're thinking about cybercrime, you go to like a, a, Wii, a WooCommerce and somebody is trying to disrupt your business through uh, some kind of nefarious means. And, and disruption means you can't take money with WooCommerce or they're redirecting where the money's going or they're siphoning something off and you have no idea what's going on. So to me, the big scary thing in all of this is you have no idea if you've been breached. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So how would you go about making sure you do know, like, what are there things that you can put into play to monitor this sort of stuff? Yes. But unfortunately, what most people will do is go off and buy some fancy firewall or some software Mm -hmm. and they'll buy the illusion of security, right? They're like, yeah, I've spent money and I installed it and it was somewhat painful. So it must be working. But when you get right down to it, this is where the magic happens. It's you have to understand how your business processes work and then have checks and balances throughout that business process. So let me rephrase that in a maybe easier way to, to comprehend. So a, a business's job is to produce some result that res, uh, that's maybe profit with a purpose of your impact entrepreneurship or revenue generating or accomplishing some kind of mission. And it's made up of all these business systems and all these business processes. And these are things we're really comfortable as business owners looking at. Yeah, I understand payroll. Here's the things I have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you set policies that say, only these people are allowed to touch WooCommerce. Only these people are allowed to do these mm-hmm. things in there. And then the cybersecurity is the technology you apply on top of your policies. Mm-hmm. And those technologies should be able to send you reports. And those reports mm-hmm. are the things that you're going to look at. And, you know, and that's the thing. It, it is a way more simplistic way for you to explain it. But for someone like me that I know enough to develop a website, but I don't know the next steps on security. Thankfully, I'm married to someone who does. But for those who don't have that benefit, how can they go about hiring someone to ensure they know what they're doing? Like, what are some key things to look for? So this is one of the problems. There is an emerging industry that is a chief security officer as a service. But most of the time mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're bumping into a managed service provider, the guy who installs your computers, the guys who help you build mm-hmm. a website. And their typical response is to provide you the uh, out-of-the-box solutions from a WordPress security or maybe some additional plugins or if you're using Amazon the back end to turn those things on. But they're typically not cybersecurity people. And so the big problem that... Um, small business folks have is to hire a chief security officer, a really smart guy that is expensive. So uh, there's a trend towards uh, part-time fractional chief security officers um, coming from your accountant. So Hmm. you, uh, the trend is now go to your CPA and say, you already know all about my money. You already know all about how I'm doing taxes. You know a lot about my liabilities. Also provide me a cyber risk assessment to all of my business and then plug me into the right vendors. And more and more CPAs are picking that up. Interesting. See, that's new. I learned something in this episode. I didn't know that. Um, do we need to request like some sort of certifications within them? I mean, that that's my thing. So I'm yeah. like, it's easy for us to be told, like you were kind of saying, the general person who sets up your website and maintains it may be like, yeah, I'll do the security, but all they're doing is the basic stuff. How can we make sure we're doing the checks and balances on that person or the qualifying rather? So I'm going to say a lot of alphabet soup here. And if I actually knew what any of these letters meant, I would totally tell you, but there's way too many. (laughs) So the the granddaddy is the CISSP, and that is the master's degree, and that's what folks are looking for. But the government is, um, with the National Institute of Standards and Technologies, has produced the NIST framework. Uh, um, And now if you say NIST, you sound really smart at dinner parties. So that's cool. And or they say, bless yes, you. bless you, right? <laughs> so you're like, no, we're talking cybersecurity, not hygiene. I didn't, I didn't 
don't sneeze. I'm not yeah. sick. So you, if you are talking to people, say, are you familiar with this NIST framework? Are you familiar? Or do you have a CISSP? And the reason why the NIST framework is important is that's what the government's going to be using to analyze the right. supply chain, right? And so if you're doing business with the government, you're going to have to answer those questions anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think we I we have this big picture. We've kind of given you guys all this information. I want to just end with a couple of very simplistic things I feel like you can do today. I mean, not that you can't go out and get your cyber um, security insurance and look for someone to help manage, but something as simple as using like two-factor authentication mm-hmm. or sending of storing of passwords, especially if you have a virtual team. What are your tips for kind of those little low-hanging fruits that they could stop this podcast and go work on right now? All right, so the number one thing you should do is stop logging onto your computer as an administrator. The Why? all of the bad so ransomware hits you, or let's say your employee clicks on something they shouldn't. The thing that's going to happen is it will immediately install something on your computer. If you are not logged in as an administrator, you no longer have the right to hurt yourself. So if you make it so your employees have less rights on their machines, they are unable to click on things and install them, which basically mm-hmm makes them immune to cyber crime uh, delivered through that kind of link, right? Which is 99% of the problem. So they stop logging on mm-hmm. as administrator. You're, you've just really gone ahead of the game. Now there's a lot of other things that they can do with social engineering and there's more defenses that you need to put in place, but these are also easy. Uh, the second thing is uh, uh, turn on automatic updates. Um, Cyber criminals are very lazy. They just use the same attacks over and over again. And so the folks at Microsoft and Apple or whatever um, you know, operating system you're using are really proactive about putting patches out there. Let those patches happen. Let them install. And again, you're at 99% ahead of the game. Um, I love the idea of two-factor authentication. Move as much as you can to the cloud. And yeah, Google gets hacked. Microsoft gets hacked. All these guys get hacked. But guess what? Uh, they're still better at it than you are. So, you know, it, and when you're talking to a customer and you say, I did everything I possibly could to keep your stuff safe. I trusted Google. Who else could I trust? Right. That's a lot different story than, yeah, the server in my shed got hacked. Yeah, yeah right. So, <laughs> I would basically say those um, and then really good backups. Hire a professional to back up your data and help you restore it because right now – I. It cringe when I see people backing things up on thumb drives or, I mean, at the very mm-hmm. least, use like a Google Drive. Do thumb drives still exist right? at this You point? have no idea. <laughs> I see them all over the place. I'm like, wait, don't use those. That's how, that's how the problem happens because, you know, we used to social engineer. We'd put viruses on thumb drives and distribute them in the parking lots in front of large corporations. And people would be like, oh, neat, thumb drive. And then oh we would have gosh, access. Oh, my gosh, that is so... See, this is why I'm not a criminal because I don't think about doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's interesting to me. All right. So you said something about backups, and then you were also saying about having automatic patching or automatic updates. For somebody, and I have someone who helps manage my website, but I'm still really integrated and involved with updating and keeping on top of all of that since it is a big part of my livelihood. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's this kind of teeter-totter. I want to do the backups, and I want to do the updates. So how often do I do the backups, and do I really want to have automatic updates? Because what if that breaks my website? And I'm thinking more in the context of plugins, yeah. um, kind of going back to that WooCommerce type WordPress setup So with the before. websites, it's time to pay to play. It's too important. You don't want to break something. If it's just your laptop, the, the patches aren't going to hurt anything. But if you're 
running a commerce site or you're running a website that you, you know, is really important to you, it's time to pay somebody. So I've got a website. I pay $99 a month and one person, a smart human being, looks at all the security patches, makes sure everything is good and updates everything for me. And I'm paying to play. And that you're more than welcome to share that if you want. I can stick that in the show notes if you're comfortable. What's their name? Uh, The company. Oh, shoot. Uh, Modern Traction. Cool. Good deal. I'll put that in the show notes for you guys to be able to grab that. Uh, Because for me, that like I like I said, I have an internal cybersecurity individual. I secured him 13 and a half years (laughs) ago, but not everyone is so lucky. So he wants a break too, right? Well, we try to keep separation of church and state, but, um, you know, but sometimes, but but this is the thing, this is so important. And I've recognized that this has always been important. I didn't want to just hand it off to the person that maintained my website because I knew they didn't have much like what you were talking about, the certifications and the knowledge. Um, Okay. So the major things that we've gone over here are for the cybersecurity, the seven things that you should do, backups the automatic patching of all devices, don't log in as an administrator, Uh, train your people about social engineering, two-factor authentication, getting that cybersecurity insurance policy, and then having a plan for when this occurs. Let's actually just briefly touch on getting a plan for when cybercrime or data breach occurs, and then uh, we'll send everyone off into (laughs) cyberspace to figure this all out and take this knowledge and implement it. So what would you recommend on developing of a plan. So the first two questions on any cybersecurity insurance policy are, do you have a business continuity plan and do you have a disaster recovery plan? And so a business continuity plan is just a list of all the systems and all the processes in your business, uh, what software is used to support them, what data do they touch, and what, uh, how many humans, different humans come in contact with them. And if you can explain all that, you now have yourself set to go through and start purchasing products. Because what folks do, like I said earlier, is you buy stuff to give you the illusion security. But what we're trying to do here is do business. And I don't care about cybersecurity. I care about revenue. So Mm -hmm. a plan is getting to know yourself first. And I've got a, a spreadsheet that I can send you guys. You can download it for free. And it is... Just that. It's the it's a really simple Excel spreadsheet. You fill it out, boom, you get a heat map that says this is where you should be paying attention. And there will be no surprises, but you'll be have a, a real good starting place. I mean, we all know payroll probably is really, really important. We should focus on that. But it's difficult <laughs> to say something like that in a subjective point of view when you don't have the yeah. data to back it up. So building the plan and then taking that plan to a managed service provider or some smart cybersecurity person and say, hey, I want you to apply the NIST framework or GDRP or I want you to do I use, use some kind of methodology and apply that to my business continuity plan. Uh, and that gets you mm-hmm. a roadmap. And the cool thing is, is a roadmap. This is not overnight. You just, you need to approach this with an idea that you wouldn't be successful with marketing right away. You're not going to be successful with cybersecurity anyway overnight. So give yourself a break. It's just a business process that you need mm-hmm. to do. And, you know, from a practical standpoint, too, taking it out of this whole cybersecurity and cybercrime mm-hmm. discussion – Having all of these things written down, what if something happens to you? I've shared the story in past episodes about 
uh, I had cancer at the age of 20 and I had to quickly go into surgery and all this kind of stuff. And that having this cybersecurity plan is just a piece of that bigger mm-hmm. plan, that big packet, whether it's digital or not, for me able to hand over to someone else and say, I was in a car accident or I'm having emergency surgery. Can you please manage all this for me? You don't have time to train someone else. And this is especially, especially important. Well, I guess it's important even if you're not a solopreneur. I was going to say, especially if it's only you, but if you have other team members to manage as well, you need to be able to hand over all that information, all those processes and procedures. And so this is a really good tangible place for you guys to go and sit down and think about all the systems you're using um, and how you implement that and the data that it holds and and all of that that Adam just touched on. So I encourage you guys, I'm going to put this checklist onto um, that we just went over onto the show notes. It's going to be episode 64. So it's going to be rachelbranke.com forward slash EPI 64. I'll include all of Adam's resources as well. He's got books. Um, he does speaking engagements. So you can hop over to his site, find out where he's going to be so you can learn more about this. Evan, I recognize that this is not that sexy of a topic. I mean, I find it interesting, but then again, I find the law interesting. <laughs> so that's not saying much. But we definitely encourage you guys to dig into this, to recognize how important it is. And as, you know, as the internet is growing, as technologies are advancing, so are cyber criminals. They're they're going to be ahead of us. You know, they are going to be out there targeting who are the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable are not necessarily going to be the large corporations that have huge amount of money to invest in a cybersecurity team. It's going to be the smaller people, the ones like us that are just trying to make a living and support our families. Uh, So definitely dig into this. Adam, do you have any last tips to leave with them today? Something that can really maybe inspire them to get up and go or strike some fear a little bit more into them before they go to implement the checklist? Uh, So let me talk to all of you who are not going to implement the checklist because you believe something, right? (laughs) You got got three core beliefs. The first one is you're not important. The second is no one's looking for you. And the third is you probably can't do anything to stop them anyway, right? But look, you are important because you have money and they're not looking for trade secrets anymore. They're looking to disrupt small business and put you in a position where you write a check. Uh, and the, the fact that you are important, being that you have money, means they are absolutely looking for you. And, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to fix this, guys. This is a problem that a business person can solve, not a nerd. You do not need a nerd. You do not need a computer scientist. You need somebody who understands business processes and systems and knows how to reduce risk. It really is as simple as that, which I think is easy when we're sitting here because we've implemented this. But it's honestly, I think this is a subject matter, guys, that it sounds overwhelming. But when you just go through the steps, when you get to the other side, you're going to feel empowered with the information. You're going to kind of look back and go, really? That's all there was to it? Because we're not asking you to find the cybercrime. We're just asking you to implement things to kind of help prevent that to occur against you. So again, this is going to be episode 64 at rachelbreaky.com forward slash EPI 64. Also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other options that you can check out also through the website. If you guys have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to us. I'm going to put all of Adam's contact information on the show notes page so you can reach out directly and harass him as much as you need so you can get the information to help keep your business legally protected. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. It's been great fun. Thanks for joining Rachel on this episode of The Business Bites. 
For show notes, a list of recommended tools, or referenced episodes, you can find them at businessbytespodcast.com. Until next time.